Good afternoon, Jeff Stevens here, coming to you from the Nation of the Cross. Sunny afternoon, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about pride. So if you're not living in a cave, if you haven't been held up in your house the last few days, you will know that it is Pride Month. It's Pride Month nationally, it's Pride Month internationally. Every TV station you turn to, every internet service provider that you use has got rainbow flags and Pride Month plastered everywhere. So originally gay pride and now labeled as LGBTQ plus pride. Um, there's a subsection of society that is very proud of their sexual orientation and who they decide they are going to um, spend their intimate time with. So um, I didn't really want to talk much uh, about sexuality or where we should stand as believers when it comes to sexual sin because I think this is a closed subject and my feelings are when we deal with sinfulness with the world we should have no expectations that the world change itself without Christ so by that I mean this as the church we can't continue to go out and just yell people down in their sinfulness and expect people to believe what we believe what we bring is the hope of Christ everybody lives in sin Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling somebody changes their lives he creates a change in them so although it's Pride Month um, we are not called to just stand up and, and shout people down because they believe that they are doing something that's right and good. Uh, the church should stand unified on this. Sexual sin is what it is. It is sinfulness. Um, but we should stand together on that. And in the church, we should stand together that it is sinfulness and that we do not support it and we do not let it seep its way into the church. Too many churches are now what we call affirmational churches, which means they essentially affirm anything that you believe. And, and this can be in many different aspects of belief. But if you look at the contemporary church, especially in big cities, where there's a lot of liberalism that is um, very prevalent, you will see that when it says affirmational, essentially what they are saying is, we affirm that you deciding to live a lifestyle of sexual sin is not uncompatible with the word of God or the body of Christ and they welcome people into the church body as brothers and sisters and in many cases welcome them in to church leadership anywhere from serving in ministry all the way up to becoming ministers of the word of God which is extremely incompatible with what we know the Bible has to say about um, sinfulness in general and in specifically with sexual sin because we know that God made uh, man and woman to be uh, cleaved to one another and it is an example in that bond of the relationship of Christ and his church and the um, servant attitude that uh, man and a woman have towards one another where the woman serves the man and where the man lays his life down for the woman as Christ 
laid his wife down for the church. And of course, the beginning of this comes from Genesis, where we see that uh, Eve was made for Adam and that they lived, they dwelled together in perfection prior to the fall. But I didn't necessarily want to talk about sexual sin. That's not the focus of this. What I wanted to talk about is that word pride. What is the etymology of the word? Where do we get it from? Why is it being used the way it's being used? And do we allow this to seep into the church? Do we allow it to seep in uh, to our lives? Is it okay that someone can be proud of who they are, proud of their accomplishments if they feel like this lifestyle is something that uh, they want to pursue? Should they be proud of who they are, what they've done, how they feel? Um, and uh, so I want to take a look at that word pride and what the Bible has to say about it, because that is, of course, the most important thing is what does the Word of God say. <clears throat> so I want to start, though, with this little part, because this is something that I, that I wrestle with, the word pride, because having been a, a, a military man uh, for 24 years, that word pride gets utilized in military vernacular quite regularly. So right from the get-go, you know, if you're in boot camp and you're putting your uniform together, you'd, you know, you'd essentially told to have some pride, have some pride in the way, the way you wear a uniform, have some pride in the way you present yourself, have pride in the way you speak, have pride in the way you act, have pride in your physical fitness. So there's this idea that's driven into you, although there is humility driven in as well, this idea that we should be proud of who we are. And so can we, from a church perspective, look at things like this and say that we can equate that sort of pride with the sort of pride that is being touted as a, a, a victory for the LGBTQ community or who someone decides they are going to have sex with or lay with. And, uh, and that is something that, uh, that I wrestle with a little bit as we look at these words, but the Bible helps, of course, make it quite clear. And you know, I, this past weekend, I got the opportunity to go to a retirement ceremony for a, a dear friend of mine, known him for uh, probably 26 years. Uh, we, we spent a lot of time together in the uh, Marine Reconnaissance and MARSOC communities. And, uh, you know, I retired after 24 and he stuck around uh, and, and traveled up through the ranks and did amazing things. <clears throat> and he's a well-respected guy. Uh, and he has um, had a, an amazing impact on uh, his family and his friends and the troops that he has served with, for, and those who have served uh, under him and, and come up behind him. And when I think of this idea of pride as I sit in the retirement ceremony and then in the reception afterwards at his home, where I, I think of pride and how proud I am to have been his friend and how proud I am to be someone who's associated with him and how proud he should be of his career and his impact and how proud of him his folks would be and his wife and 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 and, and kids and and all these things that come to mind and I wonder is that the right feeling to be proud of what you do because where we get this word pride it doesn't necessarily seem like the right word, although we use it in the English language quite regularly. 
I can't help but think, are we not kind of messing this thing up? Should we look at it from a little bit of a different angle? And uh, let's start out with the word pride. And what does it mean? What is the definition and where do we get it from? So, you know, as I do um, a, a look into the etymology of the word, um, it's a Middle English word. That's where we get it from, uh, preto. Um, and, and there's a bunch of different words, Old Norse uh, words uh, and Swedish words that are easy to relate to it. But essentially that word comes from... Um, a reflective sense or a congratulations of oneself about indulgence or about self-esteem and, and also used in a very arrogant or haughty way just the kind of way that you would think of the definition of the word pride or to be prideful so that is really the etymology of the word and where where it comes from so from that in our modern English vernacular, it, it kind of parts ways a little bit. And it does that just by looking at the definition of the word. Now, if I go to the dictionary, um, I won't say which dictionary I used because I don't want anybody getting mad or saying it's the wrong one, but it's a well-known dictionary. If I look at it, um, essentially there are a few different ways the word can be used. So conceit is one of the ways. And so that seems consistent with the etymology and reasonable and justifiable self-respect, which is kind of the other side of that, right? This is that what I talked about before. Have, have some pride in your uniform if you're a military man. So it's reasonable, seems justifiable that you would respect what you put on and that is on yourself. Um, but that really seems to be the only one because then we have delight or relation arising from an act or some sort of possession or some sort of relationship um, and, and it's just delight. So this is kind of an, another facet of that. But overwhelmingly, we see words come up like disdainful behavior or to disdain and ostentatious. Um, of course, we have the company of lions as well. It's a pride of lions, but that's completely different. But this idea to be proud or to have pride in overwhelmingly means that there's some sort of conceit involved, that there's some sort of disdain involved, that there's some sort of ostentatiousness. Uh, and I, I think in the English language, we've gotten so lazy at using words properly that words don't matter as much as they used to. And so we've slipped away from the, the, the proper etymology into using it for other things like I'm proud of my uniform. It's not really the right thing. I'm putting my uniform on in the correct manner so that I show respect to the uniform and to the service. It's not really pride. It's not conceit. But we've become a little lazy in our vernacular and we don't use it in the right way. So, But what does the Bible say about that type of pride? There's, the Bible actually says a, a lot about that type of pride. Uh, Proverbs utilizes pride uh, numerous, numerous times, um, any, from James and Psalms and Proverbs and John, all speak about pride. Galatians talks about pride. Uh, boastfulness is another word that is used. Uh, there's this idea 
of humbling yourselves. Jane would say, humble yourselves before the Lord so that you may be exalted in him. Um, you know, the writer of Proverbs tells it's best to be lowly spirit. Um, so when we, we hear these things about boastfulness and pride and lowly spirit, this idea of keeping ourselves low, keeping ourselves um, at bay and not having any sort of boastful attitude in anything that either we do, anything that we have, anything that we say, or even our achievements should be the attitude that we have. We give all glory to God in all things. In the church, this should be the standard, all glory to God in all things. Um, and just specifically, let's talk about where we get that word pride from and how it shows up. Let's look at Proverbs 16, verse 18. So in this, in Proverbs, of course, we have Solomon's writing Proverbs. He says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So this is from the ESV. Pride goes before destruction and haughty spirit before a fall. So if we take a look at this, this word, so pride goes before destruction. So you are destroying yourself when you're boastful in your ways or proudful in your ways and then it uses the word uh, haughty as well this idea of a of a haughty spirit which is just like pride but let's take a look at the words just for a second when we look at that word pride the first time that pride is used in that verse we get this word gaon in in hebrew and this word really comes from this idea of exaltation or majesty or even excellence. It's this idea of self-exaltation or lifting up oneself into a place that you don't belong, right? It's looking at yourself and saying, I am good because of, and then fill in the blank, to exalt oneself. And then haughtiness, or this word haughty, and not like haughty like she is a haughty, but haughty as in H-A-U-G-H-T-Y. This idea comes from this uh, Hebrew word goba, which has to do with height or raised platform or a loftiness or lofty. This idea of lifting oneself up. And in, in this case, it's the spirit before a fall. So the idea that we are not supposed to lift ourselves up or exalt ourselves in any way is the consistency here that we see. And this, of course, Proverbs is is um, probably one of the best places to talk about pride because it's in here just numerous, numerous times. But I want to fast forward and get into the New Testament and talk from about James for a second. James who's um, very clear here. As we come through the beginning of James, James is going to talk about work a lot. Okay, so we have this idea of, uh, uh, of us doing good work. As we come out of like James 2, James is very clear that this idea that as believers, we should be doing good work. That essentially faith alone is, is, is dead in our salvation when we are not working for the Lord. This is not a salvation issue. I want to be clear about this. We do not work for our salvations. We are saved through uh, our faith alone in Christ alone. But 
James talks about this idea of doing good works, and it's all, of course, as a result of our faith. But in this case, when we talk from James 4, after doing this good work, he's going to say this. He's going to say, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud. Really important here. God does, he stands against pridefulness. And this word uh, that he uses here to uh, explain this pridefulness is literally the word for arrogance and disdainfulness. This idea of overshining or trying to be more than. Um, and so it, it really, there is not um, another way to look at this pride. And, and we get this same word that's used so many times and it's consistent through the, the word of God. So, you know, we just looked at this verse, Luke 1 51, Romans 1 30, um, this idea from 2 Timothy 3, the boastfulness and arrogance. Uh, and in 1 Peter 5, this idea of being opposed to the proud, God resists the proud. So uh, this is a consistent message throughout the New Testament as well. So we see all this in Proverbs. Um, and, and now we're seeing it here through the New Testament. So this idea that pridefulness is something that we should not go after is just a fact. It's a biblical fact. And we need to find out where it falls in as far as can I be proud of the things in my life that I've accomplished. Well, I think there's a twist to this. So if you've done something good, can you take pride in it? So I want to I want to turn to Timothy. So if you look at 2 Timothy and you go to 2 Timothy and go to chapter 2, there's this he's going to talk about presenting yourself to God. Okay, so as far as workers are concerned, now workers would be someone who is a faithful person who is working in the right heart for the glory of God within the kingdom of God uh, for the church or for God's people. And he says this in 2 Timothy 2.15. Paul's writing this letter to Timothy and he says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So now we're talking about sharing the gospel. But I think it goes without saying that this is a lifestyle choice here. Whether it be sharing the gospel or doing good works or getting degrees or being a good member of the military or being a good worker in your workplace, wherever that may be that we should do ourselves uh, do our best to present ourselves as one approved it it, it kind of comes from that that old famous quote from Oswald Chambers right that um, from his book uh, my utmost for his highest i do my best for god in all that i do and then you don't need to be ashamed of it. So if I don't need to be ashamed of it, does that mean I can be proud of it? Well, I think in the modern vernacular, the word absolutely I can be 
proud of that in the sense that if I'm a believer doing my very best to live right in the Word of God, to serve my family, my kids, my friends, uh, my fellow uh, people in the body of Christ, and all those whom I am trying to reach with the gospel, then yes, there's this sense that we should definitely not be ashamed and we should have this feeling that we are trying to do the right thing. It's a it's a proud feeling, but it's not prideful in the sense that we are lifting ourselves up or boasting in it. Rather, as it says at the beginning of this, do our best to present ourselves to God as one approved. So we do this, we do our best because um, of what God has done in our lives. It's very important here. And um, there is uh, one more case that uh, I just want to throw out there, and it's this this idea uh, from Ecclesiastes 3, and the writer says this, so I saw that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his work, for that is his lot. So this idea here that it comes from is not this idea of pride that we should uh, lift ourselves up, but you know, if we uh, do good in our work, because as believers, we do our best for his highest, then we can look at something and say, I feel as though I've, I've done well in this. And I think we can be safe in this uh, after examining the word of God, that it is um, good that we are not prideful in the sense that we lift ourselves up, but we are not ashamed of what we have done and we give God the glory in all that we do. You see, I go back to this part in Proverbs 6 pretty regularly because there's this idea creeping up in the liberal church that God, God loves. God's a God of love. God is love, and God loves everyone, and God is going to love everyone. And they make this God out that we've got to be this really super liberal, soft uh, guy who... Um, is just a universalist and because he made everybody and he loves everybody, he's going to take them in exactly how they are. And this, there's plenty of cases in, in the Bible to support this, but specifically from this spot in Proverbs, we look at this idea of there are six things that the Lord hates and seven that are an abomination. When we look at haughty eyes and a lying tongue, uh, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. This idea that God would hate something or that you would do things that create enmity or make you an enemy of God uh, is most certainly a path to destruction. Um, this this idea is really important and, and, and it's good to look at because of this. When we talk about this movement that is a boastful movement, this idea that people should take pride in who they sleep with or that it should be a huge commercial plan celebrating someone's sinfulness, the church should look at this and take this into account a heart that devises wicked plans. If we think that in any way, shape, or form, the church should, should support a plan 
to be supportive of sinfulness than that is hearts devising wicked plans. Feet that make haste to run to evil, people in the church that are running to support these plans and try to be uh, inclusive of sinfulness in the church body, a false witness who breathes out lies, people within the church body who decide that they are going to bring the lie of sinfulness into the church and say that love is love and that sinfulness in any way, shape, or form belongs inside the confines of the body of Christ. So we need to be very careful. You know, oddly enough, after this, the next warnings in Proverbs that um, are going to be spoken about is adultery. So it's it's essentially an adulterous for people to be in a relationship that has not been uh, blessed by God. And we know that uh, within the church, it is a man and a woman married together for his glory with his blessing to create children if he should have it for them. And that is uh, what brings glory to God in raising those kids um, in Christ. So um, it, it's not that way by mistake. Um you know, here the author is clear that he who commits adultery lacks sense, and he who does it destroys himself. He's dishonorable. Uh, disgrace is not wiped away. It's very clear here. We need to be very careful that we are not allowing the world to seep into the church. Um, and as I spoke of earlier, this was not the intent here is not to go over the sinfulness itself. Uh, And part of the reason for that is I think there's enough exhaustive material uh, out there within the church that uh, if anybody needs a good exposition on why the um, LGBTQ lifestyle is sinful, there's there's plenty there. Uh, We know what a a real godly relationship looks like, and that is between a man and a woman in marriage uh, for the glory of God. Um, But in this case, specifically about pride, where do we stand? Um, Can you be proud of your achievements? Can you be proud of what you do? I would say, let's let's stand on it this way. We are definitely not ashamed of what we do and we do it within the idea that we are trying to please our God, uh, that we are trying to serve his church, that we are trying to love his children, and that we are trying to reach the lost for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so in that, we can be proud of our accomplishments um, by the modern definition of the word, that we can go forth and continue to do good works, uh, not for our glory, but for his. But we do good works nonetheless and can look at things and say, we we did well here, I did well here, and I'm going to continue to follow that path. Uh, You know, it gives us milestones and uh, allows us to check those milestones off so we know where to grow from. But also we need to be careful because that word pridefulness and where it comes from specifically in this movement is definitely not one that comes from a good place or a godly place or an honest place. It comes from a place of shame. It comes from a place of destruction. It comes from a place of haughtiness. Uh, and self-exaltation and and this idea of self-excellence. And unfortunately, uh, I think overwhelmingly, it also bears with it a lot of pain, a lot of hate, uh, a lot of abuse, 
um, and, uh, and many other painful things that come out of a community that doesn't like to be honest with itself about what's really going on. So uh, that, I think, is a good exposition of enough Bible verses to give us support. We love um, our neighbors. We love our neighbors uh, even in their sin because we want to reach them and let them know that there is hope in Jesus Christ alone. So I would encourage you, there's a lot of people that disagree with us that we don't stand uh, on the street corners and yell people down. Rather, we uh, sit and have coffee with them and we tell them why we have hope in Jesus Christ and then um, if they hear and believe and the Holy Spirit does a work in their life uh, they will see that how they live is not consistent with what God would have for them and at some point in their walk uh, as they become sanctified uh, they will move away from that lifestyle there's plenty of evidence of this uh, there's plenty of material to look at if you're on the internet to see that that, that is a, a, a very, very strong truth and that he can change lives. He can change lives of people from any sort of uh, addiction or walk of life that is not consistent with what he would have for us. And it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy for people who have been lied to, who have been abused, and who have lied to themselves. So don't think that this is something that's easy and that they just always know that they're living in some sinful lifestyle. They may just not know. They are um, living their lives not knowing Christ. And uh, when you don't know Christ, you don't know your sin. So, um, love your neighbor. Um, remember to guard the church. It is our responsibility, especially you men, uh, that we guard the church, that we preach the truth, that we hold to the truth, that we expose the Bible correctly, rightly, uh, that we do good exegetical studies, uh, expositional studies, verse by verse, word by word, and that we know what God would have for our lives. So uh, for all of you out there, uh, have a blessed week. It's Pride Month. Um, you want to expose the hope that lies within you to everyone that you meet this month and make sure that they see Christ in you. And last thing I have to say to you is stay on the grind.